Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. It's the familiar reading of the Beatitudes. Up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thanks. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks. When Jesus calls your name, when you get out of your boat, you drop your nets on the shore, and you leave your old way of living behind, and you start to follow him, well, things change. You change. You pay attention to what Jesus says and does. And when he talks about how things will be when God's reign comes in all its fullness, you get caught up in this vision of how things ought to be, even here and now. You want it so badly, you can almost taste it. You want to be someone whose attitudes and values are shaped by all that Jesus says and does. Someone who lives in ways that allow the light of God to shine through into this poor old bruised and battered world. Sometimes, when we read the Beatitudes as we have this morning, we might hear them as a, well, job description for those who follow Jesus. We are to comfort those who mourn, to be merciful to others, to be peacemakers, and so forth. 
they become a checklist, a standard for us to aspire to, something to achieve through our own effort, something where we get to say, look at me, God, look at the great things I've done for you. But that's not really what God had in mind here. Now, don't misunderstand me. Comforting the brokenhearted, showing mercy to those who need it, making peace where there is strife, those are all wonderful things to do. Those are all things we should be doing as followers of Christ. But the original Greek makes it clear that these words of Jesus are not commands to be performed so much as descriptions of what it means to be a follower of Christ. When you take that first step on the road with Jesus, you have also taken the first step on being transformed by his light and his love. When that happens, you become poor in spirit because you know how much you need God, how much this world needs God. Your heart is broken and you grieve when you look around and see how sin has corrupted what God created and intended to be good. You know your own limitations in setting things right. You know them all too well. Even as you pray and you do what you can to make things better. You stop asking yourself, who is ahead in the race to get the most of whatever? And you begin asking yourself, how can what I say and do give respect and dignity to the image of God I encounter in every person I meet? How can what I say and do bring honor and glory to God? You show mercy because you know how much mercy you have received. You make peace because you know how God has made peace with you in and through Jesus Christ. And you live this way with a singleness of heart and purpose, loving God with all your being, loving your neighbor as much as you love yourself. When the reign of God takes root in your heart and your life, you can't help being changed, being transformed by its values and priorities. Now, when that happens, Jesus promises us two things. The first is that we are already blessed when our lives become places where the light of God's love shines through, not because of what we do, but because of who we are, and more than that, because of who we belong to. Knowing what God has done for you, knowing God's presence with you, knowing God's love living in you and through you, those are blessings already in the here and now not some pie-in-the-sky promise for when we are dead and gone. And the second thing that Jesus tells us is that living that way is going to get you in trouble. Blessed are you, he says, when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. This way of being is so radically different from a life based on getting and keeping and defending what you've already got, that you might as well be ready for others to misunderstand you, 
to go after you, to try to destroy you because they feel so threatened. But what they say and what they do doesn't change the fact, Jesus says, that you are still blessed. It's what they have always done. It's what they always will do. Sometimes it's hard to see what living a blessed life looks like. I'm thinking this morning of Dominic Green, who was a young man who grew up in the inner city without any advantages at all. His mother, the only parent in the household, was mentally ill, and she abused Dominic and his younger brothers. Uh, he would often step in to take the punishment she was meeting out to them because she could be vicious when she was enraged. There were times when he could scarcely walk because of the beating he had endured. She was barely able to hold a job, of course, and so when he was just a very young teenager, Dominique began looking for ways to help take care of her and his brothers. He was no angel. Sometimes those ways meant, well, a little petty theft. And sometimes it meant being a delivery boy for a drug runner. A lot of his friends did the same sort of things. You did what you had to in order to get by. And then one evening when Dominique was hanging out with some of his friends, a convenience store robbery went awry. Shots were fired and a man died. Now, Dominique admitted that he was present, but he insisted he was not the shooter and that the surveillance tape would prove his innocence. But somehow that tape just disappeared. It was never entered into evidence. No, not after the other boys involved worked out a plea bargain. Dominique was the only one who couldn't afford a lawyer of his own. And so he was charged with murder, found guilty, and sentenced to die. I don't know if Dominic Green pulled the trigger that night. What I can say, based on his own writings and the testimonies of those who knew him well, is that Dominique, at 28 years of age, was not the same as the kid who had entered death row 10 years before at 18. Then he was tough-talking, filled with bravado, swaggering to conceal his fear, and incredibly naive about the criminal justice system that had just claimed him and his future. But at 28, he was mature beyond his years, a person of deep faith who consistently brought light and hope to those he encountered, including his lawyers, journalists, political activists, family members of the victim, other death row inmates, and even some of his prison guards. For someone unable to leave the narrow bounds of the Texas prison where he was housed, 
his influence spread out in ripples around the world. That transformation didn't happen overnight, of course. At first, Dominique's decision to educate himself mostly sprang from his desire to get someone, anyone, to pay attention to him and to his story so that his appeals might be heard. His early letters from prison are mostly pleas for help in getting the, his conviction reversed. But somehow, Dominique came to see that one gift, one blessing his sentence gave him was the time to read, to learn, to think about life. And over time, his writing and speaking styles became more polished, more sophisticated, and above all, more thoughtful. He read law, of course, but he also read philosophy, science, mathematics, theology. He read the Bible day after day after day, and the little seed of faith that had been sown somewhere along the way began to grow and blossom. He was especially taken with Archbishop Desmond Tutu's writings on forgiveness in the aftermath of apartheid in South Africa. Eventually, he began to apply what the Archbishop had said to his own life, and then he began working and talking with others there in the prison about those things, about how to forgive those who had wronged you, about how to ask for forgiveness for those you had wronged. In that, he found a deep and abiding faith that would sustain him and encourage others throughout his life. When you look at a photo of him from those years, you cannot miss the light in his eyes, the peace in his beautiful brown countenance. The transformation was so complete that even the victim's family begged for the death sentence not to be carried out because it would be a travesty given the man that Dominique Green had become. He was, in the words of author Thomas Cahill, who told his story, a saint on death row. I'm sorry to tell you that those pleas fell on deaf ears. Dominic Green was executed by lethal injection on October 26, 2004, in the Texas prison where he spent so much of his brief life. He was Catholic and he prayed every single day, but his rosary became more to him than just a rosary, he said. In an essay published only two weeks before his death, he talked about how he had made it himself, bead by bead. The beads stood for those who had helped him and for those whom he had been able to help, those who had been a blessing to him, those whom he had blessed. And every time one of his brothers on death row was executed, he added another bead until there were more than a hundred. He gave thanks for the gifts he had received from each one, and he prayed for them all by name every single day. Gratitude for what he had received and for what he had been able to do to help another see the light 
filled his heart. Now, most of us wouldn't say that Dominic Green or anyone on death row was blessed, at least not in the way that the world usually understands that word. But the Beatitudes point to something different. And I think he might have understood the consolation and the hope these words offer more than most of us ever will. Even when people doubted his sincerity, even when old lies and half-truths were trotted out at each appeal, even when it became clear that the system was more interested in killing him than rehabilitating him. Dominic Green held fast to the work of forgiveness and reconciliation. And he held fast to God. How happy are those who give up their trust in themselves and learn to trust God, someone said. Dominic Green came to that trust on death row and he chose to be a blessing, a place, his life, a place where God's love and light could shine through even there. May his example inspire us and help us to trust God so deeply that we will know ourselves to be blessed wherever we may be, whatever challenges we may face. May God's love and light shine in us and through us too. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.